Hey guys, hey ladies, hey friends, hey foes. We just wanted to take a second to remind you that while we're okay swearing when little ears are listening, you might not be, and that's okay. So here's your chance to pause us and wait for nap time, or pop in your earbuds. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Done Playing by the Rules, Digging Deeper. So these episodes are a little bit shorter and they will either be used to expand upon something that we talked about in a previous episode or to um, really dive into something or to go back and cover things we missed, which is something in this episode. Because we do that a lot. We just start talking and then it's like, oops. Forgot that. We got so, so excited about the mental health and medication <laughs> episode that we didn't circle back to some things that we wanted to talk about. And we feel like they are important because honestly, you and I both consider ourselves faux experts on mental health and medication. Mm-hmm. And neither of us knew these things until we were diagnosed with them. Mm-hmm. And if there's someone out there that we can help to go seek medical professional advice, mm-hmm. I'm all about it. Yes. And just to preface, I have, and last I checked, Janelle has no medical credentials behind your name. I sure went to college just... for six years and don't have a bachelor's degree. So I definitely don't have any yes. letters after my name. So these are our personal experiences and what we remember the doctors telling us. Um, so they could, some of it could be a little off, a little wonky, but you get the gist. And today we're going to cover PMDD, which is what? Premenstrual oh, dysphoric disorder. Think you can tell who the expert is on that uh, one? A um, literal expert. <laughs> and I'll be talking about OCD, which is obsessive compulsive disorder. So, Janelle, let's dive in. Can't okay, so quickly, this. I was doing really well with my mental health. I felt like my meds were all on track; things were going really well. And then, and I think this goes back in history to my mom. So my dad, my dad told my husband when my husband and I were dating, Janelle's mom used to have periods, and I would keep track of them on my calendar so I would know when they were coming, so I could explain how irrational she was being in the week leading up to it. So now we're talking some like seventies PMDD shit. Mm-hmm. So my dad tells Josh this and Josh is like, holy shit, that's exactly how you are. Fast forward seven years and we're married and we have two kids and I am a raging monster. Which for- can I pause right there real quick? People do not warn you that when you have kids, mm-hmm. I know a few people whose periods got better. They used to have cramps and now they don't. And yeah. Are they like naturally pretty and skinny too and don't need makeup? Because then I'm really going to. No, they're just fucking unicorns. (laughs) Those unicorn periods. Fuck, that's not fair. (laughs) So let's add that in. So if like I had never even heard of this, but now being older, because I'm in my 30s, so I'm considered old um, and having friends who have kids, I have now. I think this is the second or third time I've heard of it and it's never been on my radar. So no. go ahead. And I had never heard of it until my doctor and I, I have a beautiful OBGYN and he and I were talking and I was explaining to him, I was like, you know, I feel good. My anxiety feels mostly under control. My um, depression is definitely under control. And I said, except for this week that leads up to my period. And so I was a full-blown monster. I told him, I was like, I am not regulated for the week leading up to my period. And I had never heard of PMDD. And so he went through um, a questionnaire and I was just like answering because I had brought to him also that my sleep was disturbed and that I was having a lot of like 
frequency and urgency needing to pee. And so I thought he was asking me questions about that. And so he went through this checklist and he goes, okay, so I'm going to diagnose you with PMDD. And I was like, okay, what's that? And I Googled it and I was like, I am PMDD. (laughs) And so, and you, you and I are both crime podcast aficionados. And like, if Mm -hmm. you've ever seen an episode of Snapped, They use PMDD as a defense a lot when women murder Mm -hmm. their husbands. I haven't murdered my husband yet, but it's not, (laughs) and that's not something to say to take, to make it light, but it is a serious condition that needs to be treated Mm -hmm. because it can, it literally can make you disassociate with reality, the dysphoric disorder in the title. So I wanted to just tell everyone some tips on how to recognize if you should speak to a proper healthcare provider about possibly having PMDD. So there's criteria. There's, it looks like five or six criteria here. And if you have five of the following 11 in criterion A, that makes you a candidate, especially the first four. So there's 11 criteria or 11 points in criteria A. Marked mood swings is number one. Marked irritability or anger in the week or few days leading to the onset of menses. So mark irritability and anger. Markedly depressed mood is number three. Marked anxiety and tension specific to the week or days leading up to your period. So those are the top four. If you have those top four, any of them, that is a precursor to being tested. Followed up by number five is decreased interest in usual activities. Number six is difficulty in concentration. Number seven is lethargy or marked lack of energy. Eight, marked change in appetite, overeating or specific food cravings. I have the opposite where I can't, I don't feel hungry and I feel nauseous at food. Hypersomnia or insomnia. I need so much sleep leading up to my period. Number 10, feeling overwhelmed or out of control, check and check. And number 11, physical symptoms, breast tenderness, swelling, joint or muscle pain, a sensation of bloating or weight gain. I would have breast tenderness to the point that I was sure I was pregnant before my period every month. And so that is just criterion A. There's criterion A, B, C, D, E. Oh my gosh. F, G. (laughs) Um, but if you have the top four of those, that's a warning. And if you have more than five of those 11, that is Mm -hmm. something to talk to your doctor about, and then he will dig deeper into the further criterion. So without me pretending to be a doctor and telling you about all the different criterion, just Mm -hmm. know those 11 and play this back if you need to, or we can write it down and post it on Instagram, um, are, some of the warning signs of PMDD. And so I was prescribed Prozac and Prozac is shown if you Wikipedia Prozac, it's shown as a treatment for PMDD. And I'd heard of PMDD only in snapped episodes. And when I Googled it, I was like, that is me. Mm -hmm. And my Prozac, I'm on month three now. And this period I had, I told Jenna, I didn't even know it was coming because I was so nice and normal to everyone. Like it just like showed up and I looked at my phone and was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like normally people, my husband, I told my therapist, I said, if my period follows a weekend, 
my husband will keep the kids out of the house for the whole weekend because <laughs> no one, wa- they were, you remember, but Josh would take uh-huh. them to be gone for the whole day on Saturday because I was such a wicked, wicked witch. And wow. he wanted to just keep them all away from me. And I appreciated that because all I wanted to do was sleep and walk around the house in a stupor of rage. Mm-hmm. And so we just wanted to circle back to PMDD from the mental health and medication episode so that you could see it in yourself if you needed to. You could see it in a spouse or a partner if you needed to. And you can see it in a friend if you need to. We're not doctors, for you. but your doctor can help you. Um, you said marked many times. So does yeah. that mean like with all those symptoms, like it's not all the time and it happens during a certain phase in your cycle or what exactly? Yeah. Can you expand so on that like, a little more? Um, a, a big uptick in irritability. So a big uptick in mood swings. Like my moods would just like, okay. boom, And So basically um, like night and day, like on your anxiety, like you're yes. fine one day and the next day you're like. Yep. And I said to him, okay. I said, I feel, or depression, I said, I feel like I'm so well managed until the week before my period and then I'm a mess or I feel like I'm so okay. well managed on my medication and then I can't get out of bed for two days. Mm-hmm. I I always use can't get out of bed like I actually have the luxury of staying in bed. Right. But like I'm dragging my ass around and I need a four hour nap two of the days leading up to oh, my wow. period. So with you, is this something that you experienced before your period and then it would let up once your period came or was yes. it weeks at a time. Nope. It was uh, maybe seven to five days leading up to my period. And the day my period came, I was back to happy Janelle. And I don't know that that's necessarily how it works for everyone. My periods were also very long. Like my cycle was very long. Like it was well over Mm -hmm. 28 days. I was always six or seven days beyond where my phone tracker would tell me where to be. So I don't know if that had something to do with the diagnosis. But the day my period came, I would wake up and be like, because I always get my period first thing in the morning. I would wake up and be like, Hello, beautiful world. Where am I? So the opposite of most people. Yeah. Wow. I had the opposite of most people. As soon as my period hit, and the other weird Mm -hmm. thing is the day my period hits is my slimmest day of the month. Like all my bloat leaves my body. And the first day of my period is the thinnest I am all month. It's very strange. And so I wake up that day skinny and feeling like a boss. Mm -hmm. But the week before, everybody's still mad at me for me. Yeah. I'm such a witch. (laughs) And so I think it's a good thing to point, which I have told many friends, if you're experiencing any of these symptoms, when you're experiencing them, please write them down. Because like Janelle said, she snaps out of it that next day. So if your appointment doesn't fall on that week, you might be like, oh, I'm great. This is great. And your mental health will will mess you up on that one. You're completely right. And I don't think had my telemed appointment, it was just a random med check. Had it not fallen on that week where I was hysterical, I might mm-hmm. not have remembered to bring it up to him. But because I was in it, I was able to so well, like yes. so accurately describe it that he was like, oh my God, this is PMDD up, down and sideways. Okay. Where had this appointment been a week later where I'm on like day one of my period and the world is grand. So right. you're completely right. Write it down when you're in the worst of it and write down what your family's experience is. And when I told mm-hmm. him like my family literally avoids me and leaves the house for whole days at a time, he was like, yeah, okay. So that is really dramatically impairing your ability to live a good life. Like that's when you know that you've let this go on too long. Mm. And there's, I was going to say, there's also apps. Some are free, some you pay for. I personally use MyFlow, F-L-O. And you can click on the day and quickly 
just click on your symptoms and it records it. So when you go, like I'm going to see my midwife next week for some hormone checks and I've been tracking all my symptoms because they are different throughout the month. And so if you can't remember to write it down, at least use an app and just click. And they have like little ones that you can just click you know, moodiness, anxiety, and you can see a pattern after a couple months on when those things are happening. Like I know my anxiety spikes during ovulation. And to me, that was like a relief to know, okay, it's ovulation. It's not something wrong with me each month. So try and track them or record them or whatever, but go see your doctor. Go see your doctor or tell them your doctor or call your midwife. Mm -hmm. Jenna loves a good midwife. I do. (laughs) That was great. I really like that. Thanks for sharing that. So I'm going to cover something that I've struggled with. Okay. So I'm going to talk about OCD, like I said, but it's very hard to differentiate to me between OCD, anxiety, and personality type. I am very type A and I'm not a medical professional and it's something I've always dealt with. So I don't know exactly what is personality, what is OCD, what is anxiety, because it all kind of goes together. And I did not know OCD and anxiety are linked. Um, From what I understand, OCD is usually associated with anxiety. And that is what I have experienced. I don't know which came first. I'm assuming anxiety, but my mom will tell you I was the kid in the candy aisle. My brother's begging for candy and I'm sitting there organizing, making sure they're all facing the right way at age four. So... I don't know. Um, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Or did exactly. they both show up at the same time? Yes. And I've always had an issue with counting, which sounds weird, but I count. Like the other day, my husband was like, what are you looking at? And I was like, I'm counting the stripes on your sweater. And I don't catch myself always doing it. I count ceiling tiles. And it's usually, oh, look at my splotchies. Um, <laughs> sorry, if you if you aren't watching this, I get splotchy every time I talk about something that's difficult. Um, but that's what we're here for. Exactly. And it's your cheese. I just look like I drank a ton of red wine, which I did not. I am sober. So <laughs> um, I always have had an issue with counting. Like I said, I count in eights, which I don't know why. I think maybe the dancer part of me, because you do eight counts for you're doing like That's... routines. And it's always, it's always going on in my mind. I count ceiling tiles. I count stripes. I count my fingers a lot. A lot of it also is I have a huge fear of germs, which I did not know was part of OCD as well. Mm-hmm. And just contamination in general. So it's not just germs, but like one of the reasons I don't like drinking is because drinking leads to people vomiting. And I don't, I have a fear of vomit, which is a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, when I say fear, I mean fear. And I think yeah. some of it is the uncontrolled. Like if someone poops their pants, it's somewhat controlled. <laughs> if someone pees the their pants, it's controlled. But if vomit and that is something like when I was little, I would be nervous to fly because of that. And the contamination part is really hard for me. So you can imagine COVID has been very, very, very difficult. When I say I have a fear of germs, it's more manageable now. But throughout my life, it has prevented me from doing things. I would obsessively clean and not just like clean my house. Like as a kid, my room wasn't picked up. But when they came out with sanitizer, I mean, that thing was my best friend. And I had one in every pocket, backpack and boot. It was everywhere. And (laughs) Strapped and loaded. Yes. And I still am. One time my therapist was like, I want you to open your purse and tell me how many bottles of sanitizer you have. And this and was I think pre-pandemic the answer was, when yes, sanitizer was, wasn't as hip. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was pregnant and it was the worst flu we had seen in a while. But okay, I think I Jenna, had- Okay, how many bottles did you have? I think I had six or seven. Okay. 
And she caught me. I was like, caught. We knew it was an issue. I had been diagnosed with it once before, but it was kind of like a, I didn't accept it. I was like, oh, they just being critical of my personality. I think the issue became apparent when I walk into the office, I use my elbow to open the door. So then I sanitize my elbow. Then I go to sign the paperwork and I sanitize the pen sign my paperwork, sanitize my hands, sit down, don't let myself touch the chair, stand up, sanitize my hands, go into her office. And my first thought as I look around is, where is the least likely place people would sit? Because that's where I'm going to sit because there's less germs. And, and this, this is, is my all thought pre-pandemic. All, yes. And this is my thought process all the time. Look at these Exhausting. Eyes. If you can see no, me, I have I'm eyes list- everywhere. I'm... <laughs> It's, and it's an uncomfortable thing to talk yes. about. And we're going to do, we're going to do a um, digging deeper episode about your body's visceral reaction to talking about uncomfortable mm-hmm. things, because I had a really good therapy Exhibit session a. about it. And <laughs> Jenna's brought, Jenna's brought her hives to show yep. and tell today, but it's yes. an uncomfortable thing to talk about because this is something that you're talking about in front of an audience in a format that you've never talked about before. And you yeah. don't have anybody looking back at you to bounce this off of, to know how mm-hmm. it's coming across, but it's coming yeah. across very well. And Thank I am. I'm genuinely <laughs> curious about the fact that you were doing, you were living that pandemic life before it mm-hmm. was pandemic. All that stuff yes. you're talking about now sounds kind of normal, but right. you were doing this at what age? It got really, really bad when I had kids because I couldn't control the chaos of the germs. Mm-hmm. And my that's part of the reason I didn't want to send my kids to school at first. And then I sent my son to preschool because he asked and it was hard. And I had to talk to my therapist because I then saw him as a walking germ and I really, Fair. really struggled and I wanted him to change. I wanted to clean him and it was a big problem, but it has always been an issue. I just didn't really realize it was abnormal as well as when these things start to happen, I'm orderly to a fault. The soup cans have to be in the right direction. The bread has to be in the right place. And if it's not, I lose my mind and I feel like my world is spiraling. And you can imagine how that is living with three other living things in the house, two of which are under the age of 10. And two Um, of which go into your pantry and help themselves and probably don't give a shit about your organizational method. Yes. (laughs) And I have let it go a lot. And see, here's where I struggled because I love organizing. So I find joy in it. I used to let it impede my life. I cannot go out to the store until all these things are organized. I cannot go on a play date until I have this done. Well, no, now I have to say in my free time, I enjoy doing this. So I'm going to do it. And that has been a big realization for me because I didn't realize how many things I was missing out on because I was at home organizing. And the reason I'm at home is because I'm scared of germs. Um, so the counting, I still struggle with when I get anxious and this always flares up when I'm anxious, when I'm talking about uncomfortable things, I have counted my fingers multiple times throughout this conversation (laughs) and it's not because it's uncomfortable. It's new. It's different. It's not predictable. Um, as well as I really, really struggle with ruminating and intrusive thoughts. So I, my mind is always going. And a lot of the times it's thinking of the worst. And that has been a big struggle for me. I've done a lot of what my therapist calls calls thought stopping. So you just basically say stop. And that thought might come back up, but you keep stopping it. And I have really gotten into meditation. I One of my New Year's resolutions is to meditate every day. And it's really hard for me to first get into it because of those ruminating thoughts. But it has helped me so 
much. I know you're on Peloton. They have the sleep meditation, meditation. and they have it as like a, what are those like little courses? You know how like you uh-huh. go into the app and yep. they have like, yeah, they have like a course you can do. And I think it's two weeks. That was so good for me because okay, well, now I'm I do went, that because yes. I don't even know about that. And I was going to sleep, especially during COVID with these ruminating thoughts. And then I was having dreams. I guess you could call them nightmares about germs and the pandemic and everything. And it has helped me so much. And so, yeah, so I have to keep my anxiety under control because it is all very linked. So if my anxiety is out of control, then my OCD is out of control. It would be, as a kid, I can remember, like I wouldn't leave places until I was done counting. It was bad. And I thought that was normal. Like My brother had a lot of trouble with OCD and these repetitive thoughts and his thoughts mm -hmm. were just all consuming. Um, his manifested in hand washing. I remember, um, I did have like a little blip of OCD, which was chewing. I had to chew things an uneven number. So I would chew Mm -hmm. things three times on this side, three times. My number was three, three, three back and forth on threes. And I would, I mean, this was probably a six month span. I remember sitting at the table doing it, but like, it just sort of like sputtered out. That is the difference between a little OCD blip and a Mm -hmm. lifetime OCD member like you who is always going to have heightened. And those are very common things to go together. A heightened anxiety produces a heightened OCD because you're trying to control your surroundings. Yeah. And also staying home and pretending there's chaos in your home so you don't have to face Mm -hmm. What the true chaos is outside where it's germy and unpredictable is very common in these things. And being in control was like such a big thing. Like I know you asked me how young I was and I'm not exactly sure, but I also remember as a kid, I hated going to restaurants because I didn't like the fact that other people were in charge of my food. And to me, that was contamination. And before I would eat, and I'm talking like five, six years old, I would ask my parents to check it if it was meat to make sure it was thoroughly cooked and I would make them like cut it and check every single part of it. And And I I would sit there and order like the safest things. I heard once that you are more likely to get food poisoning from salads. And so I would never eat salads at a restaurant. And my parents were always like, why don't you like to go out to eat? And I just couldn't explain it. And I'm like, I just want to be home. And now as an adult, I look back and I'm like, oh, okay. And I still struggle. Um, Being a vegan has helped because we don't have the meat, but we do have the unwashed vegetable issue. And you would yeah. think I had a traumatic experience like food poisoning. I've never had food poisoning. But Knock I think it's, it goes <laughs> along with the vomiting because, you know, yes. I've had food poisoning exactly. and it is vomiting and diarrhea that is uncontrollable. And thank you, seafood. <laughs> she told me a story see- about seafood oh, one time. <laughs> God, yeah, I wouldn't, I would not go for the lobster, the like lobster guacamole again. Right. Um, but I think that is there anything that you can say, like kind of to conclude, because I want this episode to also you and I have a big, big, big mission and Mm -hmm. we want to normalize talking about things you're not supposed to talk about so that our kids come up in a world where it's talked about. Could Mm -hmm. you give a few examples to what parents who may be nervous about Mm -hmm. their children struggling with OCD? What are some common things to look out for in your children? Or what did you experience as a child? No, that's a great one. Because I personally thought it as like that person flicking the light switch 50 times, but that was not me. Um, I would check my hair straightener 50 times. As a parent, the biggest thing you can do is give that child comfort. Let them know that their fears, while they might not come true, 
validate their fears. Validate. Do not say that yeah. will never happen. Just be like, yep. I, yep. I never thought of that. That's a great point. You know mm-hmm. what? You don't like eating at restaurant. I researched some safe foods. These foods are shown to have less chance of food poisoning. Or you know what? If you're not very comfortable, why don't we eat a snack before we go to the restaurant and then go to the restaurant and you can have something small and then we come home and eat. Do not make your child feel bad for that. And if you think your child is struggling with OCD, the biggest thing is to find out if there is a cause. For me, it was anxiety. It was control. I needed to control it. Yeah. It all I think it all stemmed from my mom being sick. I do. Yeah. And seek help. I was ashamed of a lot of this because I didn't know anyone else going through it as well as back in the 80s, 90s, therapy wasn't really a hot thing to do. Mm -mm. So seek out that help and find a therapist for your child because they might have anxieties that you do not understand. And that was a big one. My mom was not an anxious person, so she couldn't understand it at all, which is awesome. I'm I'm always jealous that she never experienced anxiety, but like besides the normal anxiety. And so as a parent, don't be like, don't just downplay it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Don't downplay it. Seek out that help as early as you can so that they can have coping mechanisms and just be there and validate what they are feeling because they like that's the thing I still struggle with. I will say, I know vomit is not that bad. Even when my kids get car sick, I freak out and I know that they're not sick. And I can tell myself that as many times as I want, but it does not mean I'm not going to panic when it happens. So validate and be there for them. Seek out a therapist. It does not mean they have to have medication. I do not take separate medication for OCD. I manage my anxiety and I take medication for my anxiety. And kids don't, aren't born knowing how to manage anxiety. And we're going to do an episode about resilience and kids and how to help them. But I always say the best thing you can do is when your kid tells you, I don't like this, or this is scary to me, say, I can see how that would seem scary. Can you tell me more about it? Because whether it's a person they don't want to be around, whether it's an experience they don't want to have, whether it's a new food they don't want to try, whether it's a a sporting event they don't want to go to, Mm -hmm. I can see how that would be scary. And you can see how it would be scary because you, if you had never done it, it would seem scary to you. So Mm -hmm. say, I can see how that would feel scary to you. Can you tell me more about it? If your mom had said to you, I can see how going out to eat would feel scary to you. Can you tell me more about it? You could have said, Mm -hmm. oh, well, I read something about food poisoning and I'm scared of food poisoning. And she could Mm -hmm. have been like, okay, well, what if you just got French fries? Would that work for you or not work for you? And then you could say, that doesn't work for me because then I worry about this and the French fries. Mm -hmm. So validating what they're saying and then giving like a next, action step or working together to collaborate with them, I think is, I'm really glad that you brought that up because I come from an anxiety family. Zach has early signs of anxiety. My brother was having trouble with OCD when he was young. And I really want to create a world in a space where moms talk enough about anxiety and mental health that our kids don't think it's weird at all. Right. Exactly. And I do want to just add to that because it reminded me, I am hypervigilant about my kids' mental health. And sometimes I don't need to be. Yes, and that's something to keep point. in mind as well. Mm-hmm. Because I mm-hmm. have said, I think my kid is an anxious kid. He wasn't. He was a nervous toddler because the, he was yeah. unsure about the world. I'm sure mm-hmm. watching my mom pass had something to do with that. He, yeah. which Janelle will attest to, he is the most outgoing, brave child ever. <laughs> he asked to spend the night at her house and he's six and he woke up in the middle of the night and just went out and chatted with her because yeah, he's so he's, secure in himself. He's um, so much sure of himself. Yes. But I have reached out 
to his doctor and asked if she thought he had signs of anxiety because it was my anxiety showing as well as I took him to the eye doctor because I didn't know this, but kids at, I want to say five to seven, I could be wrong on that age range, especially somewhere in there. Yes. Develop ticks. And Mm -hmm. as a kid, I developed ticks. I did a lot of like hard blinking and like a throat tick. And it was when I was anxious and my son was doing these weird eye things and the hard blinking. So I took him to the eye doctor, which he needed his eyes checked anyways. And she told me like, let's just wait and see where this goes. You know, his eyes checked out. He looks great. It's not a vision issue. Ticks are very common in these kids, which I had no idea. And he's outgrown it already like months later. So don't be overly concerned if your child is exhibiting symptoms because everything in the world is new to them. So there is going to be some anxiety associated with that. And we can- As there should be. Yeah. As parents, just be there and support them and don't be worried. Kids are little blobs of skin and muscle that have no concept of like, I probably shouldn't run out in the road. Like they should be anxious because they're kind of dumb. No offense, but like, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And as a parent, the biggest thing we can do is show them when we're anxious, how we deal with it and support them when they're being brave. That was really hard for me. I have one story to kind of sum this up. My son has been asking to spend the night at Janelle's house. My anxious part was no, 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 no. And finally I sat back and I said, you know what? At this age, I would have freaked out. The fact that he is being so brave, I want to support that and foster Mm -hmm. that and nurture that. So I let him, I had told him on the car ride, if you get nervous, I will come pick you up any (laughs) time of the night. So I'm trying to, so that we get there and he's already asked me to leave and I'm trying to kiss him goodbye. He's politely escorted you out multiple times. And so I'm kissing him and I'm like whispering in his ear because I don't want to embarrass him. And I'm like, if you get nervous or anything, you feel uncomfortable, I will come pick you up. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bye. Like, (laughs) bye. I was proud of how brave he was. And Jenna's son is so brave that he was out of brave and my son. So also Mm -hmm. think of fostering relationships with kids that have attributes that you want to rub off on your own kids because yourself (laughs) or yourself. Yes. I learned so much from like Zach being like, Hey, I don't care that I'm like a weirdo that likes this, this, and this. And I'm like, Oh my God, at your age, I was already so self-conscious of people thinking I was weird. And you don't give a shit if anyone thinks you're weird. Like, dude, I want some, can I get some of that? Like, exactly. Exactly. So with all of this, call your therapist or your child's therapist. Ooh, yes. And take (laughs) your meds. 